Good evening from Plug Kids Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 525 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, uh, for Sunday, April 7th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple's lowering their price, Microsoft's raising their benefits, and Google is shrinking their offerings. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, um, on any of our live stream platforms, uh, livestream.com, Periscope, Mixer, Twitch, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or on any of the uh, podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, uh, the myriad of others like Spotify, TuneIn, or of course on our website plugkitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that, like we said. Uh, first is Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern. You can join us live by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And uh, there you can chat with us in the studio while we talk about our topics. Uh, Avram and I always like to hear what the uh, viewers uh, think about what it is we're talking about. The best way to do that is either uh, Mixer what mixer twitch and youtube those are the best ways for us to see them um and again f5live.tv slash join us will take you right to that uh, or if you can't join us live that's okay pluckitslive.com slash subscribe and you'll see this show and all of our other ones that are available and uh, all of the many ways that you can subscribe and follow along and uh with that i think that's the spiel avram how have you been my friend Ah, uh, pretty good pretty good Lots of uh, lots of new uh, tech stuff to play with. Uh, one, I'll show you one of the things that I've got this week um, during my segment. But uh, lots of new toys, literally things that are kind of for kids. I've been testing lately, so um, you know. So it's it's been a busy but uh, but fun week. Well, that's good. I've uh, I've had a. Similar kind of a week myself. I've been doing all kinds of reviews and publishes this week, so it's been definitely been a been a crazy start to the second quarter of the year. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if we've got any like announcements or upcoming things that I can think of. And uh, how is your project coming along? Have you had any time to work on it? Uh, which project? The controller? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, it, we, my son and I made some some progress last night. Uh, although this time we were using a regular Raspberry Pi rather than the um, rather than the um, the zero zero. Because uh, we because I wasn't working, but I think it may not be the zero's fault. It may just be how I had these wires and gotcha. And we got this joystick here to to work. Now I'm trying to figure out. I I have in the past been able to get this to control his Lego Batmobile, uh, or been able to get um, a Raspberry Pi to control it. But I lost whatever code I had for that, so oh. I'm trying to figure out how to do it again, and it wasn't working for me. So I got the joystick working. So now it's okay. recognizing the joystick. So the goal is to marry the two, where it'll send a Bluetooth signal out to his. Uh, Lego Booster, Lego Batmobile, which are both use sort of Lego's power power up motors, okay. and then um, use the joystick to control what direction the motor is, and then I can put buttons on to actually like make it do other functions. Uh, but it's actually a big pain to get a joystick to work. I mean, look how many wires you have to put yeah. to, just to get a joystick. That's um, that's definitely a lot going on in that breadboard. That's what I was thinking while you were holding it up. You know why? You know, um, for those who don't know, so Raspberry Pi is the greatest computer in the world, but it has one, it has one, the most annoying flaw it has for those who use it as makers is it doesn't have a built in analog to digital converter. Mm -hmm. uh, and Arduino has one, uh, but, but Raspberry Pi does not. So if you want to use something that is an analog signal, like a joystick or a potentiometer, which I have, Potentiometer, I was testing it with over here too, a dial. Um, you need an analog to digital chip. So mm -hmm. I have one of these here. Uh, 
And so that chip requires like eight wires to go eight wires uh-huh. or something. Uh, and then the joystick itself requires like four four wires. So it just really adds up the proliferation of wires. Yeah. And uh, if I were to try and make this a permanent, first of all, it's very easy for these little cables to pop out. So this isn't exactly in a good, it's a kind of in a precarious position to actually use. Uh, but once I actually get it working, then the next step will be to try and like create a solder it together uh-huh. in some way, uh, which is actually much harder for me than doing this because I'm not really good at the soldering stuff. But uh, like, you know, putting the wires through a PCB. But um, once I can actually get it working in this prototype, uh, then at least I'll know what I'm working with and, and can try to do it. Well, it, it it obviously it any any time you have to have that many wires, it always feels more chaotic than it actually is. Uh, when you get and, when you get down to a PCB, yeah, right. When you get down there to a PCB level, it'll look obviously it'll look different than that. But I totally understand. You know, there there could very well be more because. You know, if I want to put some buttons on here mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to do other functions that these things do um, yeah. besides the joystick, you know, maybe a stop and go or something like right. that. You know, that's that's more wires. So, yeah, it's a crazy it's a crazy amount of wires. And and breadboards are are obviously never the uh, the best way to show off. <laughs> they're yeah. def- they're the best way to prototype. They're definitely not the best way to show off unless you're trying to make it look very prototypey, in which case a breadboard's perfect. Well, all right. Uh, let's uh, with that, let's get down to some news. What do you say? No, what am I? I'm having a little bit of panic mode over here tonight. <laughs> This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new tablet, a laptop, an Xbox One uh, S or X, right now um, with the Gears of War 4 bundle, you can save uh, 60 bucks and get a free game. But there's way more than that. Uh, you know, there's VR and AR headsets. There's phones, including the Samsung Galaxy S10 and a whole lot more, all available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. I have no idea why I, uh, I played your video intro <laughs> when I turned that music on. It's going to be one of those nights for those of you who are watching live, and again, I apologize. All right, so um, smart speakers are, uh, are definitely a, a big part of our lives, Avram. And I, we talked about this uh, a little bit uh, last week, and we've talked a little bit about how you know there's there's some some dangers to it. But one of the dangers that we didn't talk about was uh, buying into uh, hardware or an ecosystem that may or may not uh, provide value. Uh, for example, if you were somebody who bought one of the the Harman Kardon Invokes with Cortana on it, and maybe you bought it at its original retail price at $200. I apologize because they're 50 bucks right now. Um, and a great Bluetooth speaker, by the way, but that's about where it ends for most people. Um, if you buy into an ecosystem that, that isn't uh, robust, the money can seem uh, ludicrous. And if you're not dealing uh, today, if you're not dealing with Alexa or Google assistant on a smart speaker, you're really not getting, uh, a whole lot of value because, um, you know, m- while Microsoft on Cortana does have skills, there haven't been as many uh, things built for it as Alexa or or uh, Google Assistant. And then you've got Siri on the HomePod, which uh, standalone wise does not seem to have any extensibility. So all you get is the things that Apple wants you to have, which, you know, there's HomeKit. And there's a whole lot of smart home things that can be controlled through HomeKit. And, uh, you know, you can get the weather from Apple. You can get the news from Apple. You can get traffic from Apple. 
but you can't really get all of those third party like robust experiences like asking it to play uh, podcasts from Spotify, for example, uh, or something like that. Uh, listening to live radio through TuneIn. You know, just all that extensibility stuff just isn't there. And Apple has this week recognized that their sales have not been great uh, and dropped the price of the HomePod by $50, but they have not solved the reason why people aren't buying. That's my opinion. Yeah, so that's going to do no good. Um, yeah, because again, a $50 Harman Kardon Invoke still doesn't mean anything. <laughs> It's actually kind of really sad um, how Apple has really blown the assistant market because they had the first mover advantage, right? I mean, people were using Siri on their phones before they were using Google Assistant, before Alexa was in people's homes. Mm-hmm. There, there were a couple. There were a couple that were out there before before they bought Siri, but certainly Apple made people aware that the concept even existed. It was mostly right. developers who were messing with it before. Apple bought Siri. Right. So they popularized the technology, yeah. the uh, the concept, and then it completely got away from them. Yeah, it did. Which really, sh- which really shows just real, you know, kind of incompetence. Like they, they really, I mean, when you look at what's going on with, uh, with Alexa and Google Assistant, but I think what was the smart move that Google and Amazon made is to try and well, first of all, they got into very inexpensive products. Uh-huh. Uh, second of all, they also, to a greater extent, Amazon allowed a lot of other companies. They, they didn't try to do a walled garden. They worked closely with a lot of other companies. There's a million different things now with Alexa in them. Uh-huh. There's a few things. There's several things with Google Assistant in them, although not as many as Alexa. And... You know, and of course they work with all those third-party services. So, right. You know, Apple's walled garden has become its undoing in this case. They they really could have um, they really could have made Siri. They had the opportunity to, to make Siri what Alexa is now, but you know, Apple being Apple, they don't they in some ways they they don't want to be they don't want to be for everyone. Right. Amazon wants an Alexa in every home, uh-huh. but Apple does not want an iPhone in every pocket or a, you know, or a home pod uh, in every home or a home pod in every home. They want, there's a level below which they won't drop in terms of price. And, and like, you know, not to say they're a super exclusive club, but there's a level of exclusivity mm-hmm. there with Apple products. Yeah. Yeah. And there always has been. And you know, it's not the first time we've seen uh, a tech company try this strategy. You know, look at Sony of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They played the same game, and uh, in about 2001, that uh, that concept kind of came crashing down on them when they... But uh, they tried to, to fight standardized cabling and things, which at least Apple has partially embraced, you know, USB... C as the as the the end all be all for the laptops and things like that, which Sony of the of the '90s wouldn't have done. But yeah, right. And uh, everything says that 2019 is gonna stay lightning, which means that 2020 will stay lightning too, since the the designs always come in pairs, which is sad. Um, but but yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing. You know, Sony didn't want. Sony fought the HDMI cable. Like, <laughs> they wanted only their own proprietary things. So you had to have a Sony TV and a Sony surround sound system and a Sony uh, DVD player. And they wanted everything to be their own. And where are they today? I don't even know that they make TVs today. You know what I mean? <laughs> they have right. lost that, that market to Samsung entirely. And hey... uh Apple is losing markets to both Samsung and to uh, to Amazon slash Google uh, for trying to play similar games, keeping it all in house. And I, it it seems like it, they're going down that same path to me. Yeah, yeah. In this case, though, it's really it's really uh, harmful to them because 
I think people probably want the same assistant on all of their devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a le- I think that's a legit desire that people have. Yeah, uh, is, but no one's really fulfilling that because you can sort of get Alexa on Windows, but you have to ask Cortana to get it for you. Uh-huh. Which I I here's my prediction. I think Cortana is going to be gone. I think they're going to get rid of Cortana. And I think Alexa will people will have the ability to set Alexa as the default. Yeah, I think I think Cortana becomes the uh, the brand name on Azure for the the voice services and stuff like that, um, which it already is. But um, I think the, all the libraries for the Azure stuff are all called Cortana, and I think that ends up being where she lives. But that's kind of sad because now might what Microsoft is really saying is like we couldn't hack it in this kind of important space like you know it's it's easy to give up on things that you can't do well because there's a leader in the market but you know i i you know i mean they were there before amazon and google and they uh they blew it too right so i mean i guess what you're getting around to here is 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 apple at some point going to give up on siri um it seems like they're not putting the resources into making siri better so one of the things that I have always found interesting about Apple is that they do not concede uh, defeat on anything. <laughs> they keep things around way after their their value is over. They're still producing uh, iPods, like which seems like does doesn't it seem like that was probably discontinued three or four years ago? But no, that like they keep things around. They don't like to to admit that something's over. Well, did I did I say on the air last week that I met two people last weekend who you were still using AOL? Yes. Okay, so I there's think you mentioned there's definitely that on there's people who will buy old stuff. Uh huh. You know, there's probably still people buying iPods. There must be. No. I like I understand. I understand they wanted to get to the ten year anniversary. I got that. They did the big 10-year anniversary iPod and all that. I get that. But you know what? I didn't expect an 11th. <laughs> I thought it was going to be oh. canceled that year, but no. And I think that's I think that's where Siri is right now. I think it's in the, the bullheaded Apple stage where they've kind of given up on it, but they don't want to admit to anybody that they've given up on it. Because like you said, there don't seem to be any resources put behind it. Their AI... The people in their AI division seem to all pop up at other companies every couple of months. You know, you 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 hear, oh, you know, Amazon just hired so and so who used to be an AI person for Siri at Apple, and uh, yeah, I don't think they're putting anything behind it, but I don't think they're ever going to admit defeat on it. It's just, it's just like having Cortana stay in Windows 10, even though in the next version she is her position is relegated to second-class citizen. She's still there. Yeah, see, I, I think, you know, and I know we're going to talk about this in another segment, it, it does kind of lend you the question of, like, can you trust that your brand is going to stick with these? Um, uh-huh. Going to stick with it. Like, as a user, should I be investing my time in Cortana? Right. When, you know, should I, should I have bought the Hardened Carbon Evoke? Um, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that it was the first of its kind when I don't know whether the company is going to have a solid commitment to this product. Right, right. At least, and we'll, again, we'll talk about this a little later, but uh, at least with Microsoft, there's always a transition plan behind uh, a failed thing. When, like, like we said, uh, Alexa will almost certainly take over Cortana's bar on Windows 10 and probably get put on to the Invoke and uh, has already been put onto the um, the Johnson Controls Glass as a as a secondary voice assistant uh, for that product too. So, you know, Microsoft always has a transition, but we'll talk in more detail about that later. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's I I don't know where the HomePod's going, and I don't think Apple does either. I think that's the the takeaway there.
This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new computer or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all the parts and pieces to make it happen from motherboards and processors to RAM and power supplies and cases and even full built systems. Uh, Newegg's got it all and stuff you may not ex expect, such as uh, uh, smart LED light bulbs or um, sometimes kitchen equipment and all kinds of interesting stuff uh, can show up, especially in the daily deals, which right now they have got um, a, oh, a Rosewill uh, optical mouse for 20 bucks. They've got a pretty great deal on a Seagate uh, two terabyte hard drive and a whole lot more. And to find all of those daily deals and uh, of course, to see all of the products that are available, you can go to Pilchpoint dot live slash new egg all right so avram i know that you've got something to show us tonight which i think is everybody's favorite is when you've got something interesting to show so as you know i have particular interest in uh in stuff that teaches kids about computers and teaches kids about technology. Indeed. I've talked in the air before. I've talked on the air before about, um, about can the Cano computer kit, which my son and I built. Uh, and here we have another product called the hack computer. Now the hack computer here, uh, if you look at it is an Asus, uh, 14 inch notebook. It is called is technically the Asus E406MA for those keeping track of all the Asus model numbers at home. <laughs> um, it is a, a notebook that is 14 inches, 1080p, uh, Pentium processor, four gigs of RAM and, and 64 gigs of EMC memory and a pretty decent battery life. But what but the hardware of the notebook is not really where it's at. Um, it, what it is is it comes with the special software, the hack software, which is supposed to teach kids uh, a bit about computers and programming. And here's the here's the desktop. Uh, a little hard to see here. It looks very greenish when it's actually not that greenish in real life. Well, maybe it is. Why is it looking so green? I think because I changed the background. Anyway, um, so. Uh, so what you do in this, try to get this to where it should be, is you. There's this whole section here where there's like a little uh, little thing on the side with these characters, and the characters sort of give you little missions to do. Oh. And uh, it's so hard to see see with the light here. Hold on, let me see if I can do something about this. I don't have so much light on my computer itself. Maybe that will, maybe that will work better. Okay. S maybe. All right. So anyway, you click on these characters and they tell you to do stuff. And one of the things they tell you to do, for example, here, I'll click here. They'll say like, let's keep working on this project or whatever. And all the characters have different things that they want you to do. Okay. And then, they involve using a couple of games that are on here. One of these is called Fizzle, Physics or something. And it's like this game with all these like little dots and things like that. And to you can win the oh. to win the game, what you've got to do is you've got to hack it. So there's a little thing over on the side here that you click and it flips around and then you see code. Oh. And and you can sort of modify it to modify the game to make it easy for yourself to win. So they start off with just like you flipping these levers and then they get you into actually typing in the box with the code. Um, so there's a couple of games like that. Then um, the other thing that's interesting is, and you have to unlock stuff. So like, my son was really excited when he unlocked the ability to change the cursor okay. on this. So now the cursor is a piece of poop. But um, Of course it is. No, actually, I, I made it poop for this. He had it as a little guy, but I thought it would be fun 
fun to show everybody the, the boot cursor. <laughs> anyway, um, but if you go in here to this part called system here, you'll see that it like shows you different parts of the computer and you click on them and it tells you about them. Although I have to say that for something that's designed for eight and up, it's a little overwritten. So like, for example, there's this whole part here about the cursor, I think. And it tells you like, you know, it has a couple of the characters like have a little dialogue about the cursor that you read on the screen. And one of them says something like, cursor comes from the Latin word career to run. Like, I don't know how many eight-year-olds or even older kids really need to know the Latin root word of cursor. You know, I think they were a little overly ambitious with that kind of stuff. Um, but the concept here is that they're teaching you about the inside of the computer. Now, it runs a version of Linux called Endless uh, Linux, which is supposed to be friendly for kids. You can install other Linux apps on it. On it. It's an app store. And the concept is that this this stuff is like episodes. Although I have to say we got through episode one in like, you know, in like an hour. Um, I teach you these different things. And then supposedly every month you download a new episode. And what they're trying to do is to sell su a subscription for $10 a month for this. So the, the computer itself is 300 bucks. And depending on where and when you buy it, you, you may get 12 months of the subscription free. But then if you want to keep getting updates after that, you have to pay $10 a month. Uh, and they'll just keep giving you these new kind of fun lessons. So uh, we found, you know, my son is really is sex and he's really enjoying it. Um, but, and it has, you know, it is teaching him a bit, although it is not teaching them an actual programming language because all the stuff is sort of proprietary to what, what they're doing. Uh, and some of the plot, like I said, with the, these characters is a little too cute for its own good, like teaching people the root word and also teaching them things about the computer that I'm not necessarily sure they need to know. Like, I mean, it's I mean, there are things I didn't know, like it's teaching you about what the dev null folder is in Linux. Do do most people need to know that even if they're programming? I, I don't know. So do they need to know all about the kernel and the memory, uh, the memory manager? Like. I feel I feel like they might be better off just learning like how to write Python code or something, but um, but it's definitely an interesting attempt. The, the artwork is great. Uh, it's very done in a very sort of advanced, cute way. And you can and the and the three hundred dollars, the laptop alone is probably. I mean, I didn't find this laptop for sale by itself, but a laptop of this quality, it's got ten eighty screen and all that. Oh, probably probably worth at least 250 to 300 by itself okay uh, so although 250 to 300 by itself you'd probably be getting it with windows right uh, and this is coming with linux but uh, you know it's a it's a it's really quite a decent quality piece of hardware the um you know the software at least the first couple episodes like i said there's it's fun but i would like to see a little bit more focus on the pro you know on on programming and less on, you know, sort of the intricacies of the operating system and the and uh, the Linux operating system and then like the root words that things are based on. But um, they do a good job of gamifying things so you unlock different stuff. And I'm kind of really curious to see where it goes with with future episodes, uh, with future episodes that they're going to put on to try and build out the content. Uh, it's definitely a very, very interesting product. I encourage people to check it out. I'll be putting up a review of this shortly on Tom's Hardware, uh, and you know it, uh, it it is a lot of fun. And if you if you look at it as you know, I'm getting my kid their first their first laptop, and I'm willing to install uh, some you know I want them to use some of the other software on here, um, besides just the episodes, which right now is not a ton of hours of of mm -hmm. content. Um, you know it's. Uh, it could be it could be a good first device for for a kid. Okay, so it's obviously it's uh, um, more involved than the uh, the old like Casio or whoever made them. Not really laptops where you just had like a dog barking at you what no, how to spell things. This is like this is obviously way above no, that. This is no, a real I mean, computer 
doing real things and having having a whole uh, educational plan behind it. Yeah, yeah the educational yeah. plan. I mean, it's 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 good. Like I said, it leaves some room for improvement, and, and as they're updating and adding more stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and I would like to see them in preload more software onto here. Mm-hmm. There's an app store where you can download stuff, but Good. you know, uh, they don't really like it comes in the, you know, when you first turn it on, you're getting like Google Chrome and a word processor or something and a calculator and, you know, and the apps that they have, sure. Um, uh, you know, for you to learn from. So, it would have been nice if they put some games on there or whatever. Maybe they're trying not to confuse people by putting on too much stuff. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, of course, one of the first things I did was went and install a terminal Linux terminal on there. But uh, <laughs> maybe that won't be what kids do. But considering the level that they're trying to teach to you, they probably should come with a Linux terminal preloaded. Yeah. You know, because they, they're not dumbing it down. Yeah, that... That was the thing that I I found kind of interesting is that they're really kind of diving into not like look here's how you code a little bit like a lot of the like a lot of the the educational platforms they're giving you like a like a a systems 101 course yeah yeah it seems it seems a little highbrow to me at times like i said telling people the latin latin root word (laughs) or getting into parts of the operating system that even if you were programming or using computers a lot you probably wouldn't understand like i don't know i mean i shouldn't admit this on air i guess but i still don't totally understand how kernels work you know like or, or how you know all the intricacies of the dev null folder like you could be a very advanced computer user and not have a great understanding of those things sure. and be just fine. So, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I'd like to see them build it out with more practical stuff that actually helps you learn like skills that you would probably use. But, um, but it's, but you know, they do have that in the sense that they're making you reprogram these, these apps and the, and the, Fun thing is, like, my son immediately got it that, like, here's this game, and now I've got to hit this button. It flips around to the code mode, and now I'm hacking it. Uh-huh. And he loved that idea. Yeah. Oh, I would imagine so. That, especially as a kid, that idea of there's a there's a special button that I can I can change the game. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they don't just, like, and to their credit, unlike a lot of tutorial things I see where it's just, like, Oh, here you can just do what you want, and we're not going to give you any any advice. Like there actually are, it is scripted. And there are characters, you know, that on the screen are like, now can you try this? Now try that, you know. So they're stepping you through it, and you unlock different lo- steps where you can do different things. Oh. So it's not like a lot of products that I've seen where it's like, oh, hey, here's a here's a blockly a block based code language. Now just go program something, okay? We're not going to tell you what to do. Yeah, have fun, bye bye. Have fun, bye bye. I mean, this this is this definitely gives you the handholding that I think you should have. Sure, especially if we're talking about you know, uh, it being an, an an early educational platform. You know, it's not it's not for college students. It's yeah, de- it's for kids. Definitely not. Definitely not. Although uh, and- although it is getting into some college level like intricacies uh, occasionally it sounds like but you know it's it's not a college student thing it's here how about this it, not here's a bunch of stuff have fun we're off yeah the funny thing is as an editor i kind of wanted it to edit it like <laughs> listen guys you, you you're pitching a little above the audience um with some of these some of the blurbs that you have but um but it's uh yeah, but it's it's definitely pretty cool, and and I would suggest people check it out, and even just as a, like, I think the coolest thing that my son has gotten out of it so far is that like he's sitting there regularly using a laptop uh-huh. and moving around the cursor and using the keyboard, and he was doing that a bit with his Kano computer, but the laptop form factor is so much better for that, and like, so he's getting a feel of like 
you know, using a computer right. um, in a, like a kid-friendly environment. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a great benefit of the platform. Um, you said it runs 300, and we'll see a, uh, a review soon? Yeah, yes. Very cool. Well, as always, Abram, I love it when you do hands-on things, uh, and this, this one was a lot of fun. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on PC and console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new keyboard or mouse, uh, gaming headphones, um, or a full system like the Razer Blade 15 Advanced uh, on sale for $300 off right now, uh, you can find all of the deals and uh, all of the products by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. Heard a little bit of laughing in the background. That was fun. Anyway, um, so uh, I think we all know about the the Xbox Game Pass, which uh, has been uh, one of probably Microsoft's uh, biggest pushes on the Xbox side in a while. For $10 a month, you get unlimited access to 100 or more games that rotate out uh, occasionally. And so you can play and experience uh, big-name games. Uh, they made a policy to bring uh, big first-party titles at launch, like Sea of Thieves. The day it launched, it was in Game Pass, which was a really big deal. They have officially added uh, Minecraft to, uh, to Game Pass. Uh, and if the rumors hold true... We will be seeing uh, some new features come to the Game Pass brand in the next couple couple months. In fact, two new versions. The first being uh, Game Pass Ultimate, which will combine uh, the Game Pass, which is normally $10 a month, and Xbox Live, which if you pay by the month is $10 a month, into a single subscription at $15 a month, which is the same price as Game Pass and Xbox Live if you pay by the year. So you can get the benefit of the annual price without having to pay uh, $60 up front, which is a really, I think, a really great uh, move. And now that we know that, you know, with Xbox Live capability coming to a whole lot more places, the, the game bar is really uh, taking off on PC. We're seeing, you know, more merging of the Xbox and PC uh, experiences with the entire Halo suite uh, now being available on PC and things like that. Um, you know, having Xbox Live bundled like this, I think, is a really great deal. What do you think, Abram? Yeah, I mean, make it you know make make it cheaper. Um, I mean, it's uh, obviously everybody wants uh wants service revenue mm -hmm. so x so microsoft is doing what they can to to get more people to subscribe sure and and you know game pass is a really on its own is a great deal and then the ability to not have to pay the full 60 dollars a year up front and still get the price on a monthly basis i think is a is a pretty great deal and uh we talked that there are two things probably coming. The second one is Game Pass for PC, uh, which I think is a really great uh, move for Microsoft. Again, the idea that you know the Xbox and PC experience is blurring a lot down the middle. Uh, the ability to play um, play games on PC as part of your your Game Pass subscription, I think, was. A natural and logical next step uh, for the Game Pass brand. Um, the fact that it hasn't already launched is actually a bit of a surprise to me, considering how much of a, a big deal Microsoft has made about the Game Pass. The fact that it's taken this long to come to PC is a little bit of a surprise, although 
we are now just kind of now seeing that big uh, Xbox game push over to PC. So maybe it does make sense that it's taken a little while, but you know that that they're looking to uh they're looking to be a a player over there, and you know something like Game Pass might be the thing to get people uh, really engaged on that side of things. I think you're muted, Abram. I'm looking through here, and I see that there's like maybe three dozen games in Game Pass. Is that, you know, you really have to like some of these three dozen games, don't you? Um, Three dozen games, really? I mean, I'm looking on the Xbox site. Maybe I'm, Maybe there's more, but... Um, when I look on well, the are the these just featured games? I don't know. I don't know because I know at one point there was like a hundred or so games available. Oh, hmm. featured. Yeah, yeah. Show all games. Um there are twelve pages at twenty games per page. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I, so I guess a hundred games, you're gonna find some things that you Hopefully, going to find some things that you like. Yeah, and and that's the thing with with uh, the collection in here. I mean, it's it's everything from like Crackdown and Fallout to to Minecraft. There's there's new titles like We Happy Few there, and um, and Life is Strange too. There's older titles in here as well. Uh, there's there's really like. A, a wide variety of stuff that they've made available um, through this through this service on on Xbox, and so I have a feeling that it will be it will be just as good when it comes to PC. I'm hoping. Like Sunset Overdrive is in here, which was a an Xbox One launch title, so literally as old of a game as you can have on Xbox one is in here. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, super new stuff as well. So I, I think there's uh, I I think there'll be a lot of interest in this on, on PC. So long as they can maintain, uh, this kind of, uh, catalog, you know, if they, if they only have, like a dozen or so games when it comes to PC, I think they'll have some trouble gaining traction. But if they can have whatever this works out to 230 games or however many this is, I think that'll be a, I think it'll be a big win for them. And I think it'll be more importantly, I think it'll be a big win for gamers because that's $60 per title thing and you play it for a little while and you put it aside and maybe you never go back to it you know and and you know everybody knows that you get screwed going to GameStop uh and trading in games so you know so many people just don't do it and you just end up with a collection of games that you're not playing this gives you that ability to not have to have that big long collection of games you're not playing because it rotates out so frequently and when we get the new Xbox uh Probably just after E3, the uh, di all digital edition, um, which could come right after E3 or it could come as as soon as next month. You know, there's no there's no disc drive. The something like Game Pass, I think, is going to be a big deal for for uh, owners of that console. So we don't know. Uh, again, both of these things are, are rumors, but both of them make sense. Um, we don't know when we'll hear about either one. My guess is that Ultimate will hear about uh, when the all-digital edition of the Xbox One S uh, launches in the very near future. And I think that the Game, what? Game Pass for PC will probably happen at E3, no matter what the other uh, wins say. This week's news from the Tubes and F5 Live is 
proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mr. Zen Theater 3000, are back doing what they do best, making fun of uh, Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities, such as Scared to Death. Oh, boy, that looks bad. Um, the way it usually works is for a couple bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to live, and laugh. They also do uh, live events a couple times a year. The next one is April 24th. It's uh, Octoman. And to find out what theaters you can see it in and what uh, full-length feature films are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifttracks with an X. All right, um, so we talked earlier that we would talk about uh, trust in, in platforms a little later in the show, and, uh, and this is our opportunity to do so. And the reason is because this past week saw the death of uh, two pretty high-profile uh, Google products, April, April 2nd was the end of both Google Inbox, which was an email client that Google claimed would um, change the way you dealt with your email, which um, either didn't live up to that claim or the claim was not interesting to people uh, because they had some trouble uh, getting a big adoption on that. And of course, the April 2nd was also the, uh, the end of Google+. Plus. Uh, Google's third major attempt at a social social network. What? A social network. Without that A in there, that sentence didn't make any sense. Anyway, <laughs> their third big push into uh, a, a full-featured social networking site. Um, and, and so that brought me to think about this year. And in the first 91 days of, of the year, Google has shut down... 11 high-profile products or uh, services uh, under their brand, including uh, smaller things like uh, YouTube annotations, which had never worked on mobile and, you know, were kind of a, a thing of the past. But a lot of publishers, including ourselves, had used annotations in the past and everything that you would ever produce was gone to... Um, to super high profile things like if this then that support for gmail um all gone uh this year and so like Avery and i were saying it makes you makes you worry a little bit you know is in this particular case is google's image that of like a big innovator or is it one of running a lot of failed experiments and if that's the case it makes you worry about putting, you know, investing your time and or resources into a platform just to have it go, you know, the way of the Harmon Kardon invoke or, or, you know, Google Inbox or Google Plus, which people put a lot of time and resources into just to have it vanish. Yep. There seems to be just a lot of stuff that, I mean, I guess the thing with Google Plus is, by the way, I'm probably the only person who's a little sad Google Plus is gone. Um, I, I liked Google Plus when it started, but obviously after it became a punchline, yeah, I, I'm still not really sure why it became a punchline. I mean, it basically had the same functionality as Facebook. Yeah. It, so I, I don't know why people disliked it so much. I see. I don't know, you know necessarily that people disliked it. I think after, after Wave and the other one whose name I can't remember, where they they exposed a whole lot of information and that woman got beat up by her ex husband because the when Google set up when they announced the product they connected people that they shouldn't have automatically, and uh, like I. I, I think people were already weary at that point of Google, Google's attempt at social media because it had been problematic for people in the past. But you know, from a from a uh, like a feature set standpoint and everything, I I'm with you. I liked Google Plus. I thought it was you know I thought it had 
uh, especially early on, I thought it had a lot of a lot of potential. But then when Google started to get heavy handed with it, I think is when people really lost interest. You know, the forced integration into YouTube, the fact that to be able to to write a review of a of a product in the Google Play Store, you had to have a Google Plus account, but not everybody did. So, you know, that that heavy handed attitude, I think, is where a lot of the jokes started to come from. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I think they were lacking what, um, you know, what has made Twitter and originally made Facebook and now made, you know, um, certain messaging apps cool is like, oh, okay, they need the influencers mm-hmm. to use this product. They yeah. need influential people to get on the product and bolster the product. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, if they could have only had Kylie Jenner or somebody uh, use Google, pay them to use Google Plus, then uh, it would have been, it would have taken off. Uh, because there's really like they just didn't come off. It came off as stodgy, not not cool. Yeah, but it 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 came across more like LinkedIn than than anything. You know what I mean? It it came across more like a like a a place for suits and ties after a while, and not like a fun place to hang out. Despite all the colors and everything that they tried to to put into it it just it never came across like the fun place to hang out right and i'm not really even sure why it didn't but i'm not sure why i don't know you know I, especially with a feature called I mean, hangouts it's true. <laughs> you know i'm i'm really not i'm not sure why i mean i i know that google is a big company and facebook is a big company and amazon but I trust Google a little bit more with my data and stuff than I trust Facebook. Um, I mean, obviously wow. they've had their own security problems, but in, at least it's including inter- on Google potentially Plus. integrate. Yes, at least, but at least it's potentially integrate with, uh, you know, with services that I already use, like my Gmail. Right. But um, it's an interesting yeah, statement that I you mean, made. I'm. Now I have to go evaluate for myself whether I trust Google or Facebook more. <laughs> I mean, not to say you should trust either one of them, but uh, like, I, for example, I trust Google more uh, more than Amazon uh, for their assistant. Like, I feel like maybe this is wrong, but I feel like because hmm. Amazon is a is born as and primarily a a store that. It's. I feel like that their handling of of my data would be different than Google, which has been very much like an information service that I use for Docs and you know Gmail and things like that. But you know maybe maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. That's not what they're. Um, that's not what they were born of, though. They were born of a of a service of collecting data to show you ads. So, no, yes, uh, I, <laughs> yes, that's true. I don't know. It just seems like both companies are really good at like, showing targeted ads. I think, I think is a good yeah, takeaway I mean, there. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, they're both, who knows? They're all, get, they're all getting breached. But MySpace got a breach, right? They deleted a whole bunch of music, didn't they, recently? 12 or years worth it. and nobody noticed. And they're still going strong. So Yeah, all 18 people who were there before the data loss are still there today. Yeah, I mean, it just makes you wonder how many old social networks are still going. Indeed. Is Friendster <clears throat> still around? And <clears throat> uh, no, they got bought by somebody. Um that's the only one I can tell you. I, I they got bought by somebody. Um, you would think that that if the the influencer concept uh, was a hundred percent, then wouldn't MySpace be a huge success since it's owned by Justin Timberlake? I just had to had He's to. He's not that influential. I had to throw that that out there because the fact that he put money into that has just amazed me. <laughs> right. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess wasn't he in the Social Network movie? Uh huh. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. 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 So maybe he wanted to like participate in real life, and that was the best he could do. Possibly. <laughs> anyway, I. It, I just want to. Go ahead. I just want to point out that, you know, Tripod, which you might have considered a social network of sorts since you could, it still exists. Yes, indeed. Sort of. You use it to to do, to build a a business website. Yeah, they they took the the WYSIWYG editor and put it for domains now, I think. But yeah, it definitely, that, it's amazing to think that thing still exists. Uh, um, I was trying to see who bought Friendster. I can't remember. Oh, they f- they only dissolved it in June of last year. Yikes! Terrifying. Founded in two thousand two. Just in case you're curious. Anyway, um, so if you had invested in Friendster, uh, you know, time and resources. You had a 17-year run. That's not bad. <laughs> to bring us back to to our topic yeah, here. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is nothing is, unfortunately, that's the problem with having software that is running in the cloud. Yeah, software you, is a service. That's, you can invest a lot of it. it. When the service goes away, so does your software. But, I mean, to at least, at least in the case of Google+, Plus, I don't think anybody actually paid any membership fees now they may have spent time Mm -hmm. on developing stuff there right so building a following and all of that there's a lot of things yes but um at least they didn't have to pay google actual money or buy a piece of hardware that requires google plus yeah uh or things like that right as opposed to what we were talking about earlier the home pod the harman card invoke things like that where you know and but that's that's one of the things here that I mentioned earlier. That's one of the things here. Several of these things that they've shut down this year have literally had no transition plan. Um, some of them have, you know, you know, with inbox you have the Gmail client. It's not like you don't have access to email. In fact, you know, if you've got an Android phone, you've still got your Android email client too if you want to use that, you know. But, you know, things like things like annotations on YouTube well, that capability was just bloop gone, uh, and you know people had invested time and possibly money into getting the annotations right over the years, just to have it have it go away. So you know, it having a transition plan I think makes it feel less like a gut punch, right? Like if Microsoft were to shut down Cortana, we know that Alexa would just bloop pop into her place. It's pretty clear that that's their intention, you know, if if they were to give up on that. Um, but on the other hand, with we were talking earlier with Siri, you know, there's, there'd be no transition plan. If they shut if they did concede on that, those home pods would just be a blue, a four hundred dollar Bluetooth speaker. And not even great at that, from what I understand. So, you know, it. Yes, it sucks to invest a lot of time into a platform just to have it disappear. You can read about my my anger at that dating back a very long time to when uh, EA shut down Playfish. So, <laughs> and games disappeared out from under us. So it's not new. It won't. It's not the beginning. It's not the end. And... Uh, it, I think, like Abram said, it's just, it's just living in a uh, software as a service world. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, in addition to your free shipping, you get a lot of other benefits as well, including Prime Audio, which gives you several million tracks of music available for free. There's uh, Avram's favorite Prime Video, which has uh, 
TV, movies, documentaries, both original and uh, licensed content available as part of your Prime subscription. There's my favorite, which is Twitch Prime, which gives you one free subscription on Twitch every month, which you can use to subscribe to Plug Hits Live or any other uh, of your favorite uh, Twitch broadcasters. You also get free games every month, uh, which is uh, the point, the place where I get excited. Uh, you also get... Um, Right now, they're doing a free year of Switch Online for the Nintendo Switch, if you're a Prime subscriber. So, uh, we have links to all of our favorite features and a whole lot more. Plus, if you're not currently a Prime subscriber and you'd like to try it out for yourself, we have a link for a free 30-day trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So, uh... Speaking of streaming services, <laughs> we have talked a lot about subscriber fatigue <laughs> over the last, let's say, six months. Um, and and uh, obviously, we're not the only ones to talk about it, and we're not the only ones to be feeling it. And uh, that is evidenced by a lawsuit against AT&T this week that is seeking class action certification claiming that AT&T lied, blatantly lied, about the success of DirecTV Now, one of their several uh, streaming services, which was the no-satellite-dish-required uh, DirecTV uh, option for cord cutters. And uh, AT&T had claimed, especially uh, in particular when they were closing the deal for Time Warner, they claimed that uh, DirecTV as a brand was doing just fine because DirecTV Now was gaining enough subscribers to offset the loss in traditional DirecTV needs a satellite pointed at the, at the sky subscriptions, which were on the, on the downslope. They claimed that, that uh, DirecTV Now was making up for that. As it turns out, nope. Uh, in fact, as they were making that claim, DirecTV Now was seeing a massive decline in subscribers because many people subscribed uh, early on when AT&T and DirecTV ran a big promotion. You might remember that they were giving it for $10 a month for um for the first year well after that first year when it went to like 30 bucks a month most people bounced out and uh at&t did not take that into consideration when they claimed service is doing great and so that was part of how they got approval from the board to make the time warner purchase uh which uh was not true so Lots of people, a lot of investors, uh, stockholders in both AT&T and in Time Warner got screwed on that when the news broke that they had just made those numbers up and the AT&T stock price dropped 12% in one day. Oof. That is a huge drop, Avram. 12% in one day over a single announcement? Oof. Yeah, well, I guess everybody should tell the truth. And by law, yeah, by by law, public companies are required to, uh, which is where this lawsuit comes from. You cannot, and if if you need a great litmus test on that, uh, just ask Elon Musk how it's going for him uh, with his false tweet about taking Tesla private. Uh, the SEC currently owns him, and uh, you know if this if this becomes a class action, a class action suit against AT and T, ooh, what has happened to Musk from the SEC is going to be nothing compared to what the stockholders are going to going to do to AT and T here. My recommendation is if you have stock, oh. You might not want to keep it because 12% is going to be nothing compared to what happens to the price if they lose this case. This, this is crazy to me. 
did they think that they that nobody would ever find out? What what do you think the case is here, Avram? Uh, I think that whoever uh, said that, I mean, are we sure everyone who said that's still with the company? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was uh, it was the AT and T CEO, I believe, uh, is the one who wrote it in the uh, in the um, in the filing for Time Warner. And they're still there. I mean, well, maybe they were looking for a quick. Uh, maybe they thought they could get away with it. It's the only thing I can figure is they thought they were going to get away with it, but boy, it doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing that stays quiet long. Especially with, like you said, how many people have left. Especially out of the out of the Time Warner side of things. Um, the idea that all of them were going to keep quiet forever, because you know once you're inside, you know what the numbers are. If you're if you're the head of, of Time Warner, once you're inside of AT&T, and you know, you're starting to get merged with DirecTV into a single division, you know what the subscriber count on DirecTV now is. There's no way that number is going to stay quiet. It, the whole thing's crazy to me. The idea that anybody could have thought that that was going to, that that was going to work out in the end is beyond ridiculous. And I cannot wait to follow this story. Uh, if it becomes a class action suit, because wow, it'll be, uh, it'll definitely be fascinating. Yep. It is uh, unfortunate for those investors. Indeed. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live and uh, and sat through the weird technical problems we had tonight. Um, if you did not join us live, that is okay. In the future, you can always join us on Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you'll see the live stream and the chat room uh, where we love to hear from our fans. If you can't join us live, that is okay too. PluckHitsLive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, not just F5 Live and the Pilch Point, but uh, special events and first looks and all of that uh, are all available there. And uh, so you can subscribe however you'd like from there. And um, I guess on that note, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back in, uh, I guess, next week. Uh, so, ciao.